1: Oh my gosh, Michelle Buteau, how are you?
0: I'm doing pretty well.
1: That <laughs> seems like a um, real stumper.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, when people ask you how you're doing, it's just like, do they really want to know? Or you I always want to ele- know. That's true. Yeah, I was like, we- oh, hi, everyone. Welcome to Adulting. I'm Michelle. That's Jordan. Just so you know where you are at. <laughs> <laughs> I did a photo shoot recently and it was very fun. But also I'm realizing, too, because everybody wants to like think of something different, unique. What haven't we seen? What can we do with you? What can we put you in? And I always have to sit with myself and let people know because I am here, I am already the different thing.
1: Yeah, you're the difference maker again.
0: Yes, I am going to be starring in my own show Mm-hmm. as a size 18 slash 20. Okay. And it's very body positive and sex positive. And so when people are just like, what can we do that's different? I'm like, I'm already the thing that's different. Mm. It's so fucking refreshing for my soul and spirit to be out here saying, this is what it is. This is how it looks. This is what it does. And it's getting green lit. So that's very fucking nice. So how am I doing? I'm doing pretty good. All right. Look at you. I'm ready for my close up.
1: Was it inside? Was it outside? Was it a studio? Tell me.
0: It's all the things.
1: Ooh, it was a myriad.
0: <laughs> it was a plethora.
1: Love it. Favorite shot?
0: No, no, I don't do favorite shots. Having a favorite shot is like a favorite print song. It's like, I'm just appreciating mm. the moment more than anything.
1: Um, I have a favorite print song.
0: <laughs> you have a favorite print song? Absolutely. How yeah. fucking dare you? Why? Because there's too many good ones to count. Mm,
1: Yeah, but there's my favorite, you know? What is it? I want to be your lover. He wrote when he's 15 years old. I know. 15 years old. I know. You saw that album. He's naked on a horse, (laughs) you know? (laughs) He's looking at you with those big eyes.
0: Oh, those big eyes. You know what I love that my husband has done? he has introduced the kids to Prince in a way. Where <laughs> we have Prince t-shirts, books. Um, we let them watch uh, Prince videos on YouTube. There you go. Purple Rain is Otis's favorite song. And so when it rains outside, we don't always sing It's Raining, It's pouring. Sometimes we sing mm-hmm. Purple Rain or I'll play it. And Otis knows that I love the song Seven. And he like is like me because he will memorize the dances in the video, which I used to do back in the day. And I'm like, that's such a beautiful gift because we really don't have videos anymore. And so my husband has like a really big record collection. And so one shelf is just all prints. And so he'll let the kids put a record on because kids don't do that anymore. It's all iPads and shit, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really fun when they put a record on because they feel like they've created something. I mean, I can't just sit around and fucking paint shit with them. You know what I mean? I'm going to fucking stab myself in the eye. So it's nice (laughs) that we can get through like the fucking record collection. Holy shit.
1: I know. It's like they're so down low on the floor painting things. You're just like, you have to get down. I feel like a crane. I'm just getting all the way down there to their their zone. It's like so far down. It's why I
0: got sciatica. When you go down, you really have to sit down like you're a stripper. You just got to stick your butt out. You gotta really fucking You gotta pick something up Like you're Dang. the overly sexy bitch At the office It's just like Who me? I dropped this pen <laughs> I know I know I'm fine I remember the
1: first time I ever saw Prince um, I was watching Saturday night Live Yeah My dad was watching Saturday night Live And I, I snuck in And this is the first words I ever heard Prince say Live from York It's Saturday night
0: <laughs> <laughs> What a memory, <laughs> memory To
1: whole Core memory laugh for York. I was like, what is that sexual man doing? Oh
0: my <laughs> was, god. That
1: was Prince. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: I remember him on American <laughs> Bandstand. Wow. And I told my mom I want to be that woman when I grow up. That's what I said. I was like, gender fuck your gender. That soul, that beautiful yeah. soul. I want to be so sure of yourself yeah. that you're like telling big time record producers I got it. Don't worry about it. I got it. What? It's like insane. We're all rooting for him. (laughs) Warner Brothers. Oh, Oh my my God. Uh, It's so insane. Like, I remember just the last restaurant I I went to. I was like, well, what should I order? What would Prince do? Prince was always sure. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? What would Prince do? Prince was always sure.
1: Always sure. Absolutely. No, don't jump in that lake. It's the other lake. Oh, Oh, my God. I wanted to be like him. When I grew up, and they would always show the movies on uh, HBO, um, *Purple Rain* and *Under the Cherry Moon*, and we just like, we would just watch yeah. them because
0: Prince the coolest. The cool. Did you ever see *Graffiti Bridge*? I don't think I saw *Graffiti oh my Bridge*. God. It doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up, but it's still a good watch, and you get a lot of Tevin Campbell, which I love. <laughs>
1: Finally. <laughs> yeah. Don't say Kevin. It's
0: Tevin. Yeah. Tevin rhymes with Kevin. Okay. We got it. Yes. Well, I'm very excited to get to our guest. She's so cool. She's so dope.
1: So dope. A New Yorker from Brooklyn, BK to the fullest. Yes. Um, she is the co-head writer on Black Lady Sketch Show. She's so many, many things. She is hilarious. She is driven. That's why I love her, and she just makes me laugh all the time. Did
0: you work with her on the nightly show with Larry Wilmore?
1: I did work with her on the nightly show.
0: I'm so excited. She is yeah. Black Girl Magic. Uh, please help us welcome her. Brown titties. Come on, everybody. Give it up for
1: Chloe Hilliard. Nailed it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
2: Oh, Hi, boo. Yes. Hey, hey, how y'all doing? Good. I can't good, even remember the good. last time
0: I've seen you. It's been so long. Remember we used to do shows in public together?
2: I know. And then like every once in a while, we would give each other a ride home because we kind of lived in the same neighborhood. And then you moved. I did. And then I moved. Where did you move? I'm in LA. Oh my God. Mm-hmm.
1: I followed your IG journey to LA. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, like the move and everything like what that. What
0: happened? How does a Brooklyn it was like her- girl go to LA?
2: I don't know. I, know. I don't even know if it's
1: legal legal, but go ahead.
2: <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I truly like. I truly felt like a traitor for a really long time, and then I got here, and I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? I should have been out of here, because mm-hmm. New York City is a very hard place, and I'm a native New Yorker, so I've only lived in New York my entire life, so I moved out of the city and away from my family at 40 years old. It was a midlife crisis. Um, <laughs> it was a midlife crisis, <laughs> and, and the pandemic was happening, and so I figured if I was going to give it a shot, why not now? And so I moved here when everything was shut down i ordered me a hazmat suit off of amazon oh, me and my pun do they have plus size hazmat suits they go up to like a four or five x yes. it's hot it's fucked so okay just wear like some biking shorts in the tank because it's a plastic suit basically got you so i had the mask on the shield on everything and i came out here <laughs> i moved out here <laughs> and some Jordans.
1: so rick ross is set <laughs> yeah.
2: did you like check out neighborhoods like what were you looking for in a la place well, I, I did. like So I moved here in December 2020. And so I decided like in October that I was going to move. Mm. <sighs> Thankfully, I was able to work. I worked pretty consistently during the pandemic. I know people was like, it was hard for me. Like, Low-key, the pandemic was amazing for me. Um, <laughs> good, good. But I was working on Larry Wilmore's late night series. It was like a short-lived peacock political late night show. Right. That room was remote. And so everybody in the room was like, you need to move to LA. You need to move to LA. And I was like, I don't know. I'll see. Because I think when you're a new yorker especially as a stand-up you're like i'll go when something brings me there like yeah. mm-hmm. i need to have like the red the carpet rolled out like yes. the money bags like you absolutely. know absolutely um and and they were <laughs> yeah and they were like no no, they were like no you need to get here you need to be here and then everything will like be there for you and so in uh, december i moved but in october i came for a weekend i stayed at my friend zaynab johnson's house a fellow comedian oh, see, so and i had like She's the best. Um, I had like sixteen apartments in a like spreadsheet that I came up with, Whoa! and then I just like spreadsheet crossed them off You are speaking a place. Jordan's oh, language.
0: Yeah. Wow, Listen,
2: Jordan and I are kindred spirits. We haven't really like broken down how much we're kindred, but whenever we see each other, we're like, I fucking see you. Like we really see. It's wild.
0: <laughs> Truly,
2: I remember when I was like working on my stand-up hour, and I
0: asked Jordan, "I'm like, how can I like arrange these topics?" And he sent me this fucking. App where it was like a cloud and then there was like a line, and this thing means that thing. I said, What? It feels like I'm in a panic room. Why are you making a brain tree?
1: Like a brain tree.
0: Yes. And I was like, How dare you? But I see how this can work between the two of y'all.
1: It can work wonderfully. Yeah. And you, look what
0: how it worked out for you. Look at you. Co-head writer
1: yes. on the Black Lady yeah. Sketch Show. Congratulations. Uh, your, yes, I was on. just talking to your, you. your other co-head writer, Monique Moses. Yes. Very nice lady. Very nice lady. Look at you. Two co's from Go, just like me and Michelle Butoh. Um, I'll make it all rhyme. <laughs> I am oh the white God. hair from happening? Alice in Wonderland. What is that? Okay. Happen-
0: Dad, get it together. I just, no, I'm
1: really excited because... This season of Black Ladies Sketch Show, I saw you. You just sent this video out of Black church and you're dunking. Something is going on. What Black nonsense is happening in that video?
2: It was a baby baptism dunkathon <laughs> sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, my God. <laughs> if Ben Affleck would have showed up, I mean... That is so crazy. Yes, was there. Was that you? That was me, yes. That was me in the mullet. So I was able to <laughs> dust off my basketball skills. And, you know, I came in, they needed somebody. And I was like, I think I could do this role. And so I was able to do it. And it was fun. I had a lot of fun. And also, I'm so grateful that I'm in shape because, you know, people don't know how TV works. So I was doing that for like eight hours, hours straight. Yeah, just hours. Just like mm. dunking repeatedly. Yeah. Amazing.
0: <laughs> I have a question. I'm trying to figure out how to like properly word it because there's like a lot of thoughts in my head. So was there ever a time where you're like, when is this going to happen? Do you feel like you've gotten over the mountain of just like, oh, I can see what it is. And even with the position you have now, this is a lot of different questions, I suppose. So just whatever you feel like you can answer, great. Because a lot of people are like, when, 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 right? And even when they get there, they realize that they weren't even ready for it because they're like intimidated or don't know how something works or... Too um, scared to actually pitch something, even though they do have the idea. Can you talk a little bit about like what it's like being in the room? What it's like Mm. giving constructive criticism, what it's like receiving it. And then also what it's like to be patient enough to like have shit happen for you. It's a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. So whatever you remember, great.
2: Yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. I think for me, um, this was never... Like, this was something I could see myself doing, but it wasn't something that I was hell-bent on doing. Mm. And I think because of my... I think because of my previous careers, it kind of like all came together. Like I was a journalist for over a decade, then I was a stand-up for over a decade. And then while I was doing stand-up, I would get asked to do like consulting, you know, like that off-the-books, like non-union consulting work. (laughs) Come in here and write these jokes and make this script better. Come in here and be the only Black person to write for this Black show because everybody else is white, and then we won't hire you again again. So, like, you know, that rotating chair that all the comics would get asked to come and, -hmm, and like, mm -hmm. help punch up scripts. And so... It was something that I knew I could do, but I always was like, stand up, stand up, stand up. So then when the pandemic happened and I wasn't comfortable going on the road during the pandemic because I was caring about my family, taking care of them and all that other stuff, then it was like, okay, let me lean into what I've already been doing, which was being a journalist and, you know, my comedy. And so I kind of refocused and said, okay, well, let me look at TV writing now because this is an opportunity that is coming up. It's it's in my face. Like, you know, people asking, do you want to do this thing? And I would be an idiot to turn it down. Right. And then when I got here, especially when I got to Black Lady, um, I joined in season three as a writer-producer. And when I got hired as like an official producer, I was like, I've been doing this shit my whole life. I've been yeah. doing this yeah. in every part of my job. I was I did this when I was a journalist, when I was a managing editor. That's basically traffic keeping, making sure all the moving parts are moving, making sure mm-hmm. the deadlines are in, making sure the writer's contracts are right, making sure the copy's clean, Like doing all that multitasking. And then as a comic, it's like knowing how to work in an environment that's not necessarily an environment. I toured the country extensively doing NACA, which is, you know, the National Association of College Acts or whatever it's called. But when I go out and perform at a bunch of colleges, I was in middle America for a long time and in hostile environments and knowing how to like navigate those spaces. And so now that I'm in a writer's room, it's like, oh, this is kind of easy. Like, I can manage seven, eight different personalities. I know how to make people feel welcomed and wanted and supported. I know how to use my managerial skills and my communication skills. And it never was a matter of me being like, do I belong here? It's like, oh, I think I am actually prepared to be here. And I didn't realize I was until I got in this position.
0: Mm. That is so important because the amount of stuff we do for free— really is like the yeah. education sometimes to
2: set us up for like where we need to be and that's why i never question like the the when it's going to happen like whatever it is it's like yeah. i'm always willing to do what i need yeah. to do to to be okay Being an
0: artist really is being a multi-hyphenate. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe we're just like very fucking talented and people are just basic. (laughs) But I feel like if you are really an artist, then like you're just going to fuck around and find out what is good and fine and fun, right? Yeah. I love that you brought up writing another book because I really want to know what made you decide to write a book in the first place because it is the hardest thing I've ever done.
2: Yeah, it's hard. I think we were like writing our books like around the same time, I think. And it was, it was hard. I missed deadlines. Oh, I didn't miss deadlines. Maybe like a week or two, but I had to shut everything down. You know, they give you like a couple months, like probably like nine, 10 months to write a book. And I kind of waited to like the last three months. Uh, shout yeah. out to my book agent, um, Robert Gunsler. <laughs> yes, Robert. Woo, woo, woo. Um, <laughs> and so for me, I just knew I had to buckle down and, you know, thankfully, like, you know, Jordan, I outlined everything. Mm -hmm. So it was just a matter of like sitting down and having to write it. But when it came down to writing it, I had to tell my family, I was like, hey, I'm shutting down for three months. It was like, don't ask me to take your food shopping. I can't go to nobody's doctor's appointments. I'm not even doing stand up. Like I'm in the house writing this book. And that was just the sacrifice I had to make. But I think also for me, it was something that I had to do for myself because Ever since I was a little girl, I knew I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be uh, a journalist or, so, you know, what whatever it was. I knew right. I wanted to tell stories. You know, the highest acclaim for a writer, especially a journalist, is to be an author. And so I would always watch the news or like a program and it would say, journalist and author of this thing. And it was like, that's the thing I felt that gave you credence.
1: Right. I had to do it. I love your book. Your book is really great. Thank you. The big reveal for me in the book was just like how you learn to love your body and learn that Um, I was like, okay, Chloe is, I mean, obviously I knew this. You are a catch, but like the way you go, I was like, "This chapter interesting," and I didn't know that.
0: <laughs> what? Walk us through it, Jordan. Walk us through no, it.
1: No, Don't be no, no. We, we got the writer right here. So I mean, uh, they didn't pay. Yeah. They didn't pay for me.
2: <laughs> they here to hear Chloe. Are you talking? Are you talking about the sex chapter?
0: Yes. Okay. First of all, <laughs> please tell the audience what your book is about, and let's just get to this chapter right away. That Jordan <laughs> clearly can't even make eye contact. I can't. Are you guys it still is, here? <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> um,
2: yes, my book is entitled "Fuck Your Diet and Other Things My Thighs Have Told Me," and um, <laughs> and <laughs> that particular chapter for me it was important because I think whenever we do have the conversation about body image, body weight, self-esteem, there's always a woe is me thing. And the one thing interesting about me, regardless of all of my, you know, issues or hangups about my body, I still always got it in. Like sex was never a problem for me. Um, <laughs> yes, sis, tell it, sis. Come on. <laughs> it's never a problem for me. Love never a problem Love to see it. I never found myself in a position being like, why can't I blah, blah, blah? Like that was never the case. For me, it was always about how do I feel and what was I using sex for? And I think Mm. a lot of times because I did have intimacy issues, I would use sex for more like a transaction thing than like a love intimacy thing. Mm. And I think that's because at the time I had a very disconnected relationship with my body, like my physical body Mm. and my like emotional, spiritual body. So I would navigate the space Kind of like a dude Like it was just like Oh I just want this fix. I need this I'm gonna like Do what I need to do For myself And also being a comedian Being on the road a lot It wasn't really An option of having Long lasting Intimate relationships Or mm-hmm. partnerships Because a lot of men Didn't understand That I was gonna be gone Nine months out of the year Traveling And so It was like Okay well this is What's working for me At this time mm-hmm. And that chapter Was important Because I wanted Other people to know That like You can still be a sexy bitch You can still get it in And you can still Crave and desire and have your kinks and fetishes and do all those things and be unapologetic about it. Yes.
1: That's exactly Uh, how I feel about my body. Um, But I want to (laughs) say...
2: He actually does because he talks about his thighs
0: quite a bit. It's a journey. And he talks about his thighs so much that I was just like, what happened when you were a teenager? My
1: thighs are so big that I consider myself an ally. (laughs) (laughs) They're so juicy. But the
0: point is... What in the drumstick emoji is going on? No,
1: I just love... I loved the journey... You kept wanting to meet certain beauty standards that were like pushed on you, mm-hmm. but it was like, hey, there's a whole bunch of people that like you the way you are, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I was like, yo, that is that is some mature distillation, understanding something and getting a nugget and a breakthrough like that is huge. It doesn't come uh, sometimes in a lifetime, yeah, where people understand mm-hmm. that like you are more than enough, right? Yeah. He's thriving already. Yeah. And I love I love that about the book.
0: It's like when people say Lizzo's so brave, she's also just being her. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like yeah. she's just living. Yeah. And wearing what she wants to wear. So I believe the arts are so important and music and everything because it really affects culture. And also the hardest, most awkward conversations I've had with my mom is because I saw a scene in this tv show or a scene in that film or what does this lyric of music mean so that's why it's so important to create and to share especially in different bodies shapes shades mm-hmm. sizes cuz then it'll be in people's face in a way that they can like tolerate it if that makes sense because yeah if i were to go on like any fucking panel talk show and be like this is why my show is body positive and sex positive it becomes like this debate You know, it Mm -hmm. becomes, like, this thing that isn't, like, fun or funny or light. Yeah. It's, like, this quiet protest, like, a party of one at a table or something. And, like, a Macy's cobalt blazer. I like details. Yeah. You know, when you put it in a scene or, like, a stand-up routine or even a book, it just... I don't know. It just feels like it hits different. Yeah. That's why it's like so fucking important to do what we're doing
2: and be paid. Truly. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, when you talk about like television influences, I mean, I was a TV kid. Like, I mean, now that I work in TV, it's like, yeah, this has been to be because I watched a lot of television. I was a latchkey kid. You know, I would go to school by myself at like seven, eight, come home by myself, watch TV, and it was like Facts of Life in different strokes. And I remember on Facts of Life when now Natalie was fat, and they were talking about her weight. And I was like, "Oh, she's fat? I didn't even think she like." It was an yes. episode. She was like, "And I, she was You like, 'You don't know yeah. what it's like to be like.'" And I was like, "You look like every other woman that I know. Like, it to me, it wasn't a big thing. But even the way that they had that conversation then, it's like that was in the eighties, nineties. Like, why are we still having that conversation? Like, we shouldn't even be having this conversation. I know. Like, just let people live. I'm like, let Joe do what she
0: wants. She don't want to do her nails. That's fine." Yeah. She wants to wear a ponytail, let her live.
2: (laughs) Blair's with her
0: feathered fucking hair. Like, let them do It's so funny. I just brought up Facts of Life the other day because my husband went to Peekskill for something. I'm like, did you see Mrs. Garrett? And he's like, what the fuck? I'm like, all right, (laughs) you're not from here.
1: Take the good, you take the bad, take them both, and there you have.
0: Oh my God. (laughs) I was waiting.
1: You grew up in Williamsburg in the like in, in the Jewish or Orthodox Jewish part of Williamsburg. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, the Hasidic Jewish part.
1: Wow, what was that like?
2: You know, I mean, my whole <laughs> life, I kind of like stuck out. So it was normal to me. It wasn't until like people would come and visit that they would be like, why is an alarm going off at Friday at sundown? I was like, oh, because that's when the Jews got to go home because it's Sabbath. <laughs> to me, it was just like, that's just what it is. Like, yeah, I'm used to hearing this alarm every week. I'm used to when it's their Sabbath, they knock on the door and they ask me to come like do stuff because they can't turn on electricity or turn on a stove. If their kid busts their head to the white meat, they'll ask me to push it to the doctors. Like, yeah, that's just
0: my community. I like, did the same thing when I lived on the Upper West Side. I had to get the elevator for everybody. It's wild. It, but that's the beautiful thing about New York,
2: I think at least. We all learn how to share space. Yeah. I think the New York essence is like, What do you need? And if I can help you, I'll help you. If I can't, I can't, you know? (laughs) (laughs) If I can't, I (laughs) can't. Okay. Yeah, but also it's like, it's not like a big deal. You know what I'm saying? It's not like the end of the world. Like I was, you know, the difference between New York and LA. I know people talk about this, like they say, like New York is not nice, but whatever they say. Many times I've been in New York and you just see like a mom with a stroller at the top of the stairs, and there's no words to change. Somebody comes and grabs the bottom of the stroller and help her down the stairs. It's just like, oh, you need help? Okay, cool. I have the time. Yeah. But here people will see you struggling and be like, Next. Okay, have fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's also
0: hard for me to wrap my mind around the amount of vocal fry. I'm like, everyone sounds like Keanu Reeves, like in the early (laughs) nineties, and I don't know how to take you seriously. And then they look at me and they're like, say bagel, say water. I'm like, this isn't an audition for you, bitch. Well, it probably actually is.
1: (laughs) Are you liking LA? Do you love the hikes? Do you love the beach? Like, do you like the markets? Yes. What's up?
2: I'm a hike girl. I, I have done the oh. beach a couple of times, but I love the hike. I, I go hiking every week if I can more than once. Um, wow. I go for walks. And, and that also helped me tremendously. Like when I moved here during the pandemic, getting out and just being out in the sun and getting fresh air.
0: But how's dating? We want to know what the dating <laughs> culture is.
1: Well, I, I was more interested in the hikes, but please, the dating. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know what? Um, The hikes are more successful than the dating. Um, And I say that.
1: Uh, Maybe you go into the wrong canyons.
0: You never know. There's so many highways. How are we going to figure out how to date? And there's so many um, people with food allergies. You know what it is? How you figure out how to date? What if someone gets a call back? They can't meet you. They got a call back in Santa Monica at 5 p.m. on a Friday.
2: Yeah, (coughs) I know. You got to make decisions. You know, I didn't even think about like dating and love when I moved here. Mm. I was just like, oh, I'm just going for the experience and for like the job opportunities. I'm such a, I'm such a, I'm a Capricorn. Everything is like work. Everything is work and money. That's Mm -hmm. all. (laughs) That's my main focus. Get it, get it. Oh my (laughs) God. But, um, but dating, I never really thought about dating because I think for me, my, my philosophy on life is like, whatever is for me is for me. And whenever something's supposed to come into my life, it will. And so I think when that person's supposed to come into my life, they will. And I also acknowledge that, you know, one of the things that I did before the book was I, knew that I needed to go to therapy. And mm-hmm. it was like one of those things, like a conditional thing. It's like, I'll go to therapy when I either, you know, before I get married, like if I'm in a serious relationship, I'll get go to therapy so I don't like fuck up my marriage mm-hmm. or I'll go to therapy before like something I feel big is going to like elevate me to the next level of success or whatever so that I can be mentally prepared. And so for me, the book was that thing. right? And a part of the therapy over these last couple years was really like digging down to the why, like why did these things treat trigger me why, you know, like what happened in my life that made me the person that I am. And I think because of, or I know because of my therapy that I'm in a much better place Mm. mentally, emotionally to be in a healthy, loving, fair, balanced, vulnerable relationship Mm. with someone. So when that person comes, I feel like I'm in a much better position to to welcome them into my life. Um, When it comes to LA is that like people here are not vulnerable and they're not honest and they're not genuine because the philosophy here is, fame, and access to fame, mm-hmm. they out here looking at IMDb pages. They are seeing you. They're seeing who you work for. 100%. And the men are worse than the women yes. because... Ruthless. They play the long game. They play the long game. You know, you'll be dating somebody for a couple months, and then all of a sudden, they're like, you know, I always thought about doing stand-up. or always, uh, I think I have a book uh, idea. I think I could write a show. And you're just uh, like, God, damn. that's the end of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's wild.
1: What about Long Beach? Is that... Any better?
0: (laughs)
2: That's a long
0: shot. We're going to answer some questions from the audience. But one question that does come up quite a bit is, um, well, taxes, but also therapy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. To take that first step to even find a therapist, people don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. They don't even know how to find someone in network. So when you were looking for a therapist, what were some of the qualities that you knew you
2: wanted in your therapist? Um, I wanted a Black person and preferably a woman. Mm -hmm. That was very important to me. Um, And honestly, I got my therapist by happenstance. I was... um Talking to a friend of a friend, like, and she mentioned that she had a great therapist, but she had moved on from her for whatever reason, nothing bad. And she was like, you should give her a call. And I did. And I've been my therapist for the past, like, (laughs) three years. So I got lucky. You got lucky. Yeah, but I do think, you know, you can ask people, you know, people who are in therapy, you should ask them, what are their experiences like? And everybody has a different approach. And so for me, I like someone who is patient. Who lets me uncover and reveal things in my own time? Because I'm such a guarded person. I have been such a guarded person. Mm-hmm. I know why from like my childhood. I needed someone who wasn't going to be prying, prying, but someone who was patient yeah. and could just have a conversation with me. And it took me more than like a year and a half to even get... And I wasn't seeing her consistently, so I don't want people to think I was seeing in my therapist like every week. It was kind of like very stop and go, which was my intention at the time mm-hmm. was very much like, I'm doing it, but I'm I'm doing it when I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I'll see you now and I'll see you in like three months and I'll see you in like two months. It was very like inconsistent. And so it took a long time for me to get to the point where I felt comfortable to just like really reveal and really like think and ask the questions that I had been like thinking about in the back of my mind. But everybody's pace is different. And so know what your preferred form of communication is mm-hmm. and then ask that person who you're, you know, essentially interviewing for your therapist, like what yeah. they tactics are because a lot of times people go I didn't like that person because they did blah, blah 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 and it's like well you could have just asked yeah. with the approaches and then you would have known right. ahead of time before you spent $250 that part
0: Ugh, that part hurts yeah. Yeah. it's expensive it just to be healthy yeah. let me ask
1: you this sometimes I'm like I want to see my therapist when things are going right not when things are going wrong
0: mm-hmm. you know yeah. I want to
1: like challenge myself to see them when it's going right because when things are going right I get so gassed that's you know that's
0: so funny That's so funny to me because, like, it's never been right for me. There's always something Mm. for me. There's always
1: something. Always something you can find that you can point to that that's problematic. So the kind of Mm balance-counterbalance where it's like, okay, well, this is going right, but there's a leak in the faucet downstairs and I haven't fixed it yet. Just like other relationships that you haven't addressed yeah. or things like that?
0: Yeah, there's always a to do list, like having a big family, yeah. trying to put up boundaries, um, trying to make time for family that wants to get to know my children. Um, <laughs> you know, work is not the end all be all, but I love it. Finding that balance all the time. When I see you say things are good and up and up, I'm like, what is that like? I want it.
1: <laughs> I'm saying this, Chloe. You know, you inspired me to actually get in shape because uh, I see your IG videos. You'd like be working out during the core core, And I was like, man, I got to Yeah. Oh, gee, I am that. She's out here that. dipping it and doing it. I got to do it too. I got to work up a sweat. Like, yeah. you were out there doing it. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it too. Once I put this hoagie down, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But I see her doing it. <laughs> like, really, you were changing your life in those IG videos. Yeah. I think the word inspirational has been kind of like misused in ways. But now I can say it to your face. Like it was so dope, and I was like, uh, "Honestly, friend." Thank you. That's so nice. I mean, listen, you can't you can't give away all the recipe, but like, what's your wellness routine? <laughs> like, what keeps Chloe smiling? Like, you look yeah. so sun dripped right now, girl. You look like one of my <laughs> LA cousins with the good skin. Like, how are you?
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank no. you. You know what? To both of your points, like, you know, when Michelle said, it's like, there's always something. There is always something. The biggest shift that happened for me, um, it had to do with mental and physical when I moved here, was accountability. I always would let myself off the hook. I always would give an excuse for why I couldn't do something or why it was okay for me to slack on something. Mm -hmm. And I really had a conversation with myself and I said, would you allow anyone else to treat you the way you treat yourself? Ooh, Mm. Would that person be your friend? Ooh. Would that person be someone who you lean on mm-hmm. if they're always letting you down? Oof. And so for me, it's always about balance, right? Last night I had ramen. I had amazing ramen with chicken wings and amazing dessert, and I knew okay because I ate that, I got to get up and walk four and a half miles this morning for what? And so
1: where where are you?
2: Where are we that, walking?
0: <laughs> she's hiking.
2: She's hiking. There's mountains. Yeah, like walking around. Oh, my God. I love this. (laughs) Um, And so for me, it's like when something is wrong, you know, when something feels bad, I always have to remember the good things. Mm. Yeah. Life is not perfect. I remember when I was like 19 years old, I was interning at the Source magazine and my boss at the time, I was complaining because I was broke. And I was like, I have no money, blah, blah, blah. I got to pay my cell phone, bill, blah, blah. He was like, Chloe, you're always going to have bills that you will mm. always have bills. Yes. So don't let that put a damper on your day because it's always going to be there. Like, yes. you know you're going to take care of it because you're a responsible adult. Like, you're not going to go into default on a phone bill. But like, spend $2 and get you some fucking pizza. Like, yes. here's $5. Go get lunch. Like, you still got to eat. You know what I mean? Damn, Chloe. <laughs> Hold on. You were interning at The Source?
1: Yeah. How many mics was that experience?
2: So I was at The Source two different times, okay? So the first time, I would say it was a five-mic experience. Because I interned there at the height, like when okay. the magazine was like 380 pages. Yes. And it was like. Emil Wilkham? No, no. Emil Wilkham was with Vibe. The source was, at the time, it was Carlito Rodriguez, who's now a, okay. an acclaimed TV writer, showrunner. Yes. yes. Um, Eric Parker was my boss, who has gone on to win awards. He directed the Nas documentary. Wow. I worked with so many people who are now like working in Hollywood. And so that's why I would say it was a five mic experience because I got to see, you know, black and brown people thrive in journalism. And I've worked at other places. i worked at the Village Voice. I've worked at Hearst Magazines. But I can honestly say that my time at the source has been the most impactful because I got to see people who look like me, mm. who really gave a fuck about journalism, who truly inspired me. And so that was the early foundational thing for me as a journalist, as far as like feeling and seeing the importance of speaking on behalf of my people yes. um, and putting... Putting us out there in a way that other people can't, you know, like journalism and media is so lame right now because (laughs) everything is about money and clicks. But yes, you know, very basic. Yeah. That was a very special time. And then I also went back. I was there as an intern, but then when I went back and I worked there for like a couple years as an editor, um, it was like on the decline. I
1: remember this. They're profiling Chingy and things like that. What's going on?
2: No, it was worse. I was there when there was a hostile takeover, like when they kicked Ray and Dave out of the company because they defaulted on a loan. And so I was in my office and you just see like these suits coming in and like, they was, like, at the door making sure that Dave Mays didn't come in because they were taking over the company. What in the Quentin Tarantino is going on? Yes. Us? What? What? What's so funny is that, so Dave ended up still showing up. Like, he came in. They didn't recognize him because he, he looked a little bit different than their pictures. <laughs> this is before social media, so they couldn't, like, <laughs> see, like, the latest selfie. Okay. And so there was, like, all these, you know, big black dudes in suits who represented, you know, the board who had taken over. Okay. Yeah. And so Dave came in he walked right past my office. He was like, hey, Chloe. And oh, I was no. like, hey. And he went, he went to the accounting department because he wanted some money before they like really oh, kicked him out. He went to the accounting department. God. And everybody was like, Oh, that's the guy y'all supposed to not let in the building. That's him right there oh, getting, my getting God. some petty cash. Yeah, I can't
0: even get to <laughs> VIP at a club. Chloe, you are like just a well of knowledge and good vibes. And so we have some questions from the audience. They write in and we try to to answer them. We try our best to answer them. We can't answer it all. Sometimes you just got to live it out and see what happens. But (laughs) we're going to get to some questions. Okay, this one. uh, (laughs) What you got? They say, I always get coffee on my way into work. And one of my coworkers texts me every morning and asks if I can grab her one too, Like I'm her assistant. What is the nicest way to tell her? To
2: get her own damn coffee. Mm. I, I think the nicest way is to Venmo request her the price of the coffee. Ooh. And say if you if you want if you want me to pick you up coffee, you need to pay for it.
0: Truly, friend, whoever wrote this question, you gotta put your big girl panties on. Or your big boy, or your big person panties. I don't fucking know. And just (laughs) let them know that you don't have time. You know, it's I hate when people see something in your hand and they're like, "Why didn't you get me
2: one?" Because you're not feeding, fucking, or financing me, bitch. Okay, next question. (laughs) Also, if you guys, or you can alternate. You can say, "Hey, I don't mind picking up, but you need to pick it up, and we can alternate." Like carpool this coffee, bitch.
1: Yes. Yes. Here's a pretty good question, and I think it's it rings out through the ages. At what age should I start investing in real? Non IKEA furniture.
2: I think when you can afford it, honestly, I think in furnitures, quality furniture is not cheap. And mm-hmm. also, you got to ask yourself, what are you what are you buying for? Are you buying for this current apartment, or are you buying tap furniture that's going to go with you to the next place when you buy a house or whatever? Yeah. Because that is all the difference in the world. It really is. I think it's what is in your budget, and also you don't have to get all like
0: mid century modern. You can mix it up. Mm-hmm. You know, a couch is very expensive. You can get an Ikea couch with like some sort of like chair that's mid-century because it really behooves you to invest in something that will only appreciate, right? So like mm-hmm. you are spending a lot of money, but you can sell it for a lot of money when you're in a pinch. So I say do the research. It's not that hard. You can look up anything and mix it up. Have fun with your mom. Um Oh, my God. Is it okay to go on a first date without telling them I have a kid? When do oh, I tell yeah. my date I have a kid? Oh, yo. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's hilarious.
2: I...
1: Chloe, go. <laughs> Chloe, it's like. Please
2: go, Chloe. Has this ever happened to you? Um, I mean, men lie about kids all the time. So, yes. I mean, I <laughs> like for, for like two, like I'm not exaggerating for like a year straight. It's worse. Every single man I went out with was legit married. <gasps> legit Married. Wow. Like, every man that I met for a year Like, was, happily, not separated? Well, obviously not happily, like, but like— Like, every version of married, separated but still living together, married, still living together. Like, and I would ask them, like, the date, and I'm like, so wait, are you in a relationship? They would kind of be like, well, you know, I kind of— And I'm like, wait, are you married? And they were like, yeah, I'm married. So— I feel like... Did they have an open, rela- open relationship
1: <laughs> or what was, the, what was the score? No,
2: because... Don't matter. Well, because, you know, one, I, that's not what I want to sign up for. And I think right. this lends to like the kid thing. It's like, you have to give people a choice mm-hmm. and no one ever wants to feel like they're being like trapped in a corner. Yes. And so I feel like before you go out on a first date, you should have like a real hearty phone conversation before you even go on a date. And at that point, in that hearty phone conversation, a good like 45 minutes, you should be like, hey, by the way, I also have a child. Mm. Is that a problem?
0: I mean, this is why people are doing their due diligence on the Instagram and other social medias because you got to do a deep dive to see who somebody really is. That is crazy. But wait a minute, yes, let's
2: answer the question. Like before you go, yeah. Because also, are you like it to me? It gives energy like you are embarrassed of your child. Yes. Because if you are a proud parent, that is a part of your identity is being a parent.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You can't be like,
2: this kid's getting in the way. It's just cramping my styles. Dad's trying to get his his D wet. All right. Ew. (laughs) Like, by the way, I have a roommate who loves juice boxes. (laughs) (laughs) No.
1: Okay. Okay. Final question here. Is it rude to bring booze to a party when I know they won't be serving it? Mm.
0: Is this question for me? (laughs)
2: Good. <laughs> what do you think, Chloe? Are they okay with it? Like, if this is a sober home, then no, you shouldn't be bringing mm-hmm. booze. Right. If there's a real reason. But if you have their permission, like I had a friend who was vegetarian in our 20s, whenever she had like a house party, I would always bring a bucket of fried chicken. Not Kentucky, Kennedy fried chicken. With the bulletproof window, let's go. Yes, up. it was always extra crispy because I knew there was people there that would want some chicken and she didn't mind that, you know, but it's always asking like permission to make sure you not, you know, mess- like you don't want to, Entice someone Who's trying to be sober
1: yeah. yeah I hear that
2: But also It's like If you're not serving alcohol
1: Stop having parties There's <laughs> also
0: that <part>. <laughs> <laughs> This has been crazy fun We like to ask All of our guests What is the most adult thing You want to do for yourself This year That you haven't had time to do And it really could be Anything There's no wrong answer
2: I want to take a sewing class. Oh, yeah. That's so cool for you. Yeah. I want to take a sewing class. Like, I've dabbled, you know, but I want to like really learn the sewing machine because Mm -hmm. I feel like once I learn it, I can do anything I want to do. Yes. I'm a creative person by nature. Like, I just love like knitting, sewing, crocheting. Like, I want to learn how to sew. So, I'm going to take a class. That's what I'm going to do this year.
0: I love that for you. That was one of the best answers we have heard in a while.
1: It was
2: Ring of Honor. (laughs)
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Chloe, you're amazing. You are
0: living your life like it's golden.
1: I'm so happy for you. Thank you. You're dunking it. Love everything. Your life, <laughs> your career, all that.
0: Yes. And get her book, everybody. Shut up. Yes. Friend. Yes.
1: Chloe Hilliard. Oh my gosh.
0: So fun. Such a
1: complete ass person. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. Also awesome. grown woman shit. It's my most favorite thing. Yeah. And also funny to boot. Mm. It's very exciting. I'm just saying it's very exciting. That's all.
1: No, it's exciting when we have people like that on. People that just like, you know, they've worked through their stuff. They're like such a self-motivator. And like she sees, you know, a goal and she goes after it and she gets it, man. Yeah. And like, I have always been been in awe about that with her her stand-up is always on point she's an on-point type person yeah you know folks like that ain't perfect but they are batting so well yeah it's just like when it comes to Mm self-possession they're like the lebron of self-possession and i love that she's like i know i can run this damn sketch show
0: i love it yeah i really really love it it's like no one's gonna believe in you like you so fucking get to it
1: get to it yeah what she was saying about la i mean do i agree do I agree? I don't know. It's
0: so funny, so fun. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's also very interesting too when people put so much on a zip code, a town, a city. I want to be famous, so I have to go there. You know what I mean? It's like, Yes. You could also do the work and figure it out, you know?
1: <laughs> I think my one thing about Los Angeles is that it is a small town with international reach. And if you could crack a few jokes about the 405, people are like, I can work with this guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it feels like... They need an air of familiarity about you. And if you can't talk about the new restaurant in Highland Park, well, you know, that's me with some sour grapes over here. Um, For me to go out to L.A., I mean, I need it all. I need my mom, my dad. Oh, my gosh, my kindergarten teacher, everything. Um, And then I'd be ready.
0: You need the whole (laughs) Abbott Elementary.
1: Oh, my God. They're already out there, right?
0: (laughs) I don't need anything because I'm not going to L.A.
1: Not, not you. No.
0: Not you. No. But I do love our LA listeners. Thank you so much for liking, adulting, and listening to us.
1: Yo, maybe somebody's listening to this on a dusty trail in Running Canyon. They <laughs> up there.
0: <laughs> maybe someone's on the German Audubon. I don't know. I don't know. What y'all doing? What y'all doing? Oh, what y'all doing? The, on the
1: way to Stuttgart. What are you doing? You know what you should do? Write in and tell us what you're doing when you listen to our podcast. Because we've heard wild stuff like cycling around the canals in Amsterdam.
0: Like, what a life. (laughs) That'd be very fun. I love cycling around the canals in Amsterdam, especially at night, because then there's like no traffic and you can really see like the little lights from the houses sort of reflecting the water and it's like real fucking charming. It's like...
1: Okay, Toni Morrison, what the... You're really painting a picture.
0: When you touch down in a place and you could tell the government actually likes the people, it just hits different. I feel relaxed and important just walking down the street. So yeah, I think this is a great idea. You guys follow us on Instagram at Adulting the Pod. DM us and let us know what you're doing when you listen to our podcast. That'd be very fun. Yeah. Also, like, take a picture of what you're doing too. Nothing Nancy. Nothing too Nancy. Okay? <laughs> take a picture of you and send it to us and we'll post it. That'd be very fucking fun. Yeah. Okay, I got to go now. Now i got to pee. Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.
1: This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Jiha Lee. Our associate producer is Alex Chi.
0: This episode was mixed by John Bradley.
1: Our guest booker is Patrick Cottner.
0: Additional production support from Hannah Kyle Crichton.
1: Theme song and live show DJing is by Don Will.
0: Our live show producer is Marianne Ways. Artwork by Jamie Bechtel. Photography by Gijs van
1: Executive produced by Karen Kilgara, Georgia Hardstark, and Danielle Kramer.
0: Follow the show on Instagram at adultingthepod.
1: Email your questions to adultingquestions at gmail.com.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Follow Adulting with Michelle Buteau and Jordan Carlos on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode.
0: If you like what you hear, rate and review the show and visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase adulting merch.